Rise and shine, you Syracuse superfans. It's time to pour yourself a tall, delicious glass of orange fizz. Syracuse recruiting news, insider information, latest SU buzz. The Syracuse blogosphere comes to life on the central New York airwaves. It's Fizz Radio. Most wonderful day of the year for Orange Fizz. It's early National Signing Day. J.D. Rachi, Tyler Rocky, Drew Carter here to break down the class of 2019 for Syracuse. Checking in at number 13 in the ACC. Not the best class Dino Babers has ever had, but we think it's a little bit underrated. We'll get into that in a moment. But right now for today, 16 signees signing today. There's another one committed, Dorian Hewitt, a safety head of Texas. He told us here at the Fizz that he is going to commit later in February. But guys... First thoughts when you look at this number 13 class in the ACC. I think there's a lot of good to draw from it. I mean, yes, it says number 13 ranked, but you got to keep in mind, 16 isn't a very high number. And Dino Babers says he still has about five scholarships to work with for this class. So maybe we see in February that number continue to go up. You'd imagine Syracuse probably tacks on two or three more guys at least. He also said that it's worth exploring the transfer market as well. We saw what Syracuse did with that in the last offseason. They pull in two guys who used to be four-star recruits at major Division One programs. So certainly a lot of things are still left up in the air, but I don't think 13 is a true indication of how good this class is. I mean, you look at the rest of the ACC. Syracuse brought in two four-star guys, only one four-star guy per 24-7, mm-hmm. but Lee Koba actually in in rivals is listed just outside the top 100 in terms of overall players. Four-star in our hearts. Right, exactly. And... You look at some of these other programs that are ahead of Syracuse right now in these rankings. Pitt has zero four-stars. Georgia Tech, zero four-stars. BC, zero four-stars. There's a handful of programs right ahead of them mm-hmm. who aren't even close to sniffing the caliber of player that Syracuse has on the roster now. Right, which is actually the reverse of what it was as recently exactly, as two yeah. or three years ago. I mean, the only way Syracuse could compete on these rankings was by bringing in a ton of guys. Like, you would see Syracuse getting signatures from anywhere between 23 and 25 players, and that's how they would remain respectable on these recruiting rankings, but they didn't have those top-flight guys. Now it's the opposite. Now Syracuse only has 17 guys in this class, really 16, like you said, J.D. They're going to have another one coming in the spring. But Syracuse, as a team, is toward the bottom of the ACC in a raw number of commitments, and that's why they're toward the, the lower end of these standings. Really, you take a look at the ACC recruiting rankings this year, It's kind of a down year for the conference in total. That's my big takeaway. Clemson, obviously, is going to be number one, but they're only number six in the country, which Mm -hmm. sounds great, but for Dabo Sweeney, that's actually a down year. They're usually in the top three. Florida State's number two. That's a program in turmoil right now. NC State, number three. They're barely inside the top 30, and then after that, really everyone is tightly bunched. So when Syracuse gets that one signature, when Syracuse maybe mines the transfer market a little bit, you're going to see them skyrocketing from 13th in the ACC to somewhere near the middle of the pack. You add that to the young talent they've got right now, I think it should be a pretty happy day for SU fans. And I think that's really the name of this whole recruiting cycle is quality over quantity. Like we said, there's only 16 guys, but some of them, the Michael Joneses, the Lee Cobas of the world, are really, really good. A lot of people are really high on Cornelius Nunn, the third-ranked recruit in this class. We'll break down all of them individually in just a second, but Dino Babers... He's pretty happy with the 2019 class, probably not as ecstatic as he was last year when Syracuse had one of its best recruiting classes in recent memory, and we saw how well they played this season, Andre Sisko, Taj Harris, guys like that. But Dino had his uh, annual press conference uh, during National Signing Day, and one of the things that I took away from it from listening to and watching it was he said that most of this class 
Most of this 2019 class was done off our 4-8 and eight season. That was the first half of the class. Guys like Courtney Jackson, who committed all the way back in April. Guys like Anthony Red. Then the second half of this class is off the 9-3 and three season they've had so far. Of course, course going to the Camping World Bowl later this month in a couple of weeks. Or really, next week, I should say. But the second half of this class, the guys like Michael Jones and Lee Koba are coming off that 9-3 and three season. And that's really how you can see that Syracuse is building momentum and getting better recruits as the cycle goes on because they are better as a team. And I think that's so important to point out because, like you said, look at the guys they got under the assumption that this was a 9-3 and three caliber football team. Those are your Michael Joneses, your Lee Kobas, and the recommitment from Cornelius Nunn. Who had a who crazy... Was- Crazy journey. I mean, Dino Babers just poached Cornelius Nunn and Michael Jones out of the Miami area from Miami. And that is after a 9-3 season. It shows what happens during the regular season can completely change the recruiting dynamic. Now, next year, the first half of the cycle is going to be based off of this 9-3 season. Which is great. Exactly. That's how you build the momentum. That's how you get some of these four-star guys right out of the gate. And then, depending on how you do in that 2019 season, that is what the second half of the cycle is going to look like for the class of 2020. So you're seeing a different type of dynamic. So who knows what Syracuse does next year? Do they take a, maybe a step backward and fall into a bit of a transition phase from Eric Dungy to Tommy DeVito and maybe end up at 7-5 and five or 8-4? and four? Or do they take that next step and maybe compete for an ACC championship and put together a 10-2 and two or an 11-1 and one season? That's going to determine the back end of that class of 2020. And it's crazy to think and talk about that now here in 2019. But at the end of the day, that's the reality is that you're going to see a lot of very good commits probably come during the summer this year. And then maybe after that is when you're going to see either a dip or a spike. Yeah, and keep in mind, not only is is it after the nine and three season and potentially after a bowl win, it's also after Dino Baber signed long term. And we don't know Which exactly, is huge. Yeah, we mm-hmm. don't know exactly how long that contract is going to be. You would have to assume it's for at least another recruiting cycle. So that's another thing that Dino can go to these kids' houses and say, All right, it's one thing for me to tell you that I want to be here long term. Now I've got the evidence. We know he loves talking about <laughs> evidence. Now he can actually provide it to these kids and their families and say, I'm here for the long haul and you should be too. And I want to go back to talking about the rest of the ACC, it really doesn't take that long. If you have a special coach, it doesn't take that long to establish yourself. I mean, just look what Dino Babers did. Exactly. Exactly. He's the blueprint. How about how about Clemson? I'm, I'm looking back at Clemson's all-time records. Dabo Sweeney in his first two seasons was 9-5, and 6-7. and seven. Ever since then, they've won double-figure games in every season. But if Dino Babers puts together another 9- or 10-win season next year, boom, the foundation is there. And Syracuse, like we said, these other ACC schools, they don't look as promising as Syracuse does right now. One more 9-10 win season, and all of a sudden the Orange are really one of the cream of the crop. I mean, you look at around the ACC, too. Who are the biggest brands in terms of, you look at head coach, history, and, and the product they're producing on the field. Syracuse right now has to be top four. I mean, you look at uh, yeah. Miami, Florida State, and Clemson. they got to be the top three. After that, the rest of it's kind of up for grabs. And maybe NC State. NC maybe. State's the one that you could... Right. Throwing this. So I'll say top five. But right. And I think and and they're in a power five conference. Day. Right. And Drew, I think you brought up a good point is that he's confirming to them, hey, I'm going to be here yeah. long term. Mm-hmm. That's something that John Wildheck, the Syracuse athletic director, really harped on and really preached when yeah. he said, OK, we're extending Dino. We're going to have him here long term. And it's funny. Speaking of Dino. He's such an offensively driven coach. We're talking so much about how this is all about the offense. Orange is the new fast. Look at the high-powered offenses going at each other in the Camping World Bowl coming up next week. 
Well, how about this class? This class is incredibly defensively driven. 11 of the 16 signees today all play defense, including your top three of Michael Jones, Lee Koba, Cornelius Dunn, really your top four, and Jeff Canton, a diamond in the rough yeah, from Canada, awesome. which we will get to in a moment. But what does this mean to you guys, and what does it say to you guys that they're focusing on defense in this cycle? Well, one of my favorite things about this class, J.D., is I know we talk about how they're 13th or 14th in the ACC. We already talked about how that's a little bit misleading. But even if it is the 13th best class based on raw numbers, look at the top six guys based on 24-7. It's in areas of need. Outside linebacker, which really could be more inside linebacker. Mm -hmm. We're going to talk about that more later on. Linebackers make up three of your top four recruits. And then the next two guys after the top four, both offensive linemen. I think you look at the Syracuse team right now and you say, where were the biggest holes on the roster? Offensive line and linebacker are pretty good places to start. And so... Sure, you didn't sign. And it's a not that the positions are bad right, right now. They're so losing just, everybody. You've right, just got the transition. Standouts. You've got standouts everywhere else. A quarterback, you have Eric Dungy, who's an ACC Player of the Year candidate, and behind him, Tommy DeVito, one of the best recruits ever. Running back, you've got a stable of guys, and you've got some young talent coming in. Abdul Adams is one of those guys who's going to make a big time impact. Wide receiver, you have a plethora of guys. Defensive line, Chris Slayton, Kendall Coleman, Alton Robinson, all NFL type talents. And then in the secondary, it's the same story. But you're missing the guys on offensive line and at linebacker. So five of your top six guys in this class are going to fill those spots of need, all of a sudden you're looking at a pretty well-rounded team. You're Did losing the likes of Ryan Guthrie and the likes of Kylan Whitner at, in, in, at the linebacker spot, and then you're losing guys like Cody Conway at tackle and Darius Tisdale, who is a Juco product, and one of those top six guys, Drew, like you said, he might fill in perfectly right into that left tackle spot when Conway, when Conway I should say, graduates at the end of the year. So this is a great class in terms of need-based mm-hmm recruits for Syracuse. And I'm very interested to see what Terrius Tisdale does. I mean, we've talked about, I mean, we've mentioned just now, Alton Robinson and then Ryan Guthrie. Those are two major players that Syracuse has gotten to this team. And, and Ravion Pierce, I should add as well, that were JUCO products. I mean, these are guys who have come in and they're making an impact right away Lakeem out of Williams JUCO. Too. Lakeem Williams as well. So, there, I mean, we've seen Dino Babers reach into kind of the uncharted territory, and that's why these rankings maybe don't look as hot as they used to do. Right. The, positionally, it just makes a lot of sense. And I know it's it might take a while for these guys to fit in, so you might be thinking, oh, well, Drew, they're going to be freshmen this year. They might redshirt, so it doesn't matter if it's an immediate need. It's long-term. But it's also, long-term. They, might, they might make an impact. We saw an area of need, the secondary, use two true freshmen this past season. And a redshirt freshman. Exactly. And, and Andre Sisco was an All-American. Right. These guys can st- – I'm not saying Michael Jones and Lee Poga – how do you say his name? Koba. 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 Koba are going to be – There's a lot of extra letters in there. A lot there. of consonants in that. <laughs> yeah. But get to know that name because he's going to be good. I'm not saying they're going to be All-Americans right away, but they can contribute. We just saw that that's the case. You lose a few guys from the linebacking core, like you said, J.D., which already – and nothing against Kylan Whitner and Ryan Guthrie. That probably wasn't the strongest unit. It was of probably defense. of the three levels of the defense, probably the weakest. Right, and that's just And that's just a testament of the defense Right, as well. the defense was there really other, good. There were other talented guys, but now you're, you're filling in those holes with guys whose talent level matches a Cisco or a Coleman or a Robinson. And that's when this defense is going to become really balanced. And some of these guys can surprise you, too. We didn't think Taj Harris was going to play very much. He turns into maybe Syracuse's most reliable receiver this season Mm -hmm. when it comes to not only catching the ball but also going for pretty good yardage. But another interesting thing that uh, Dino said and that Dino brought up we brought up the 44 jersey, which is not something you hear uh, rumblings about very often, at least in the in, in terms of moving forward in the future. You hear a lot of talk about it in the past. But Dino said, hey, the 44 jersey, 
For all I know and for all I say, that is not a retired number. It's out of circulation. There hasn't been a 44 in quite some time. But Dino seems to think that if somebody's willing, or not even willing, if somebody's good enough and deserves it, the 44 jersey is not out of the question for anybody to wear. And this is where, again, I think that should be a selling point to some of these commits because if it is indeed just an out-of-circulation jersey right now, to me, that is how you secure the five-star and then build that. I mean, you look at all these recruits, especially in that class of 2017, or rather the class of 2018, excuse me. Remember them all holding the pic- all posting the picture of them with the Heisman Trophy? Mm-hmm. Yes. That is how you sell the recruit. Lakeem the Dream. It's, it's the Heisman Trophy. You let them hold that. Maybe even, I know this is the new trend, but let the dad hold it now, too. Mm-hmm. I don't yeah. know if you guys have seen that. Yes, the kid from Twitter. Florida that got... <laughs> His dad got dressed up. <laughs> Hilarious. But you you let him, you let the dad hold it. Um, maybe you let little brother hold it as well. But then you offer him the 44, mm-hmm. too. And again, you got to be smart with it because you can only do it to one player. Right. And you can't water it down either. You've right. got to keep it really high level. We talked about it a little bit. The three of us all agree they've got to be an All-American caliber player, like multiple years right. All-American. This is how you secure the five-star recruit. And again, it's a much easier said than done. Sure. But now you've got the the nine and three cycle that's going to come in over the summer. Yeah. Then maybe you elevate to a ten and two or an eleven and one team the following year. That is when you start to draw the five star interest. Yeah. Especially in within the area, if you can find a guy in a New York or in a Pennsylvania or a New Jersey five star caliber guy, that's when maybe you start to think about it. So, this whole thing is so fascinating to me for several different reasons. Number one, you talk about the the Heisman and how. Recruits love the history of Syracuse and I guess the prestige, which sort of withered away, but is now kind of coming back. I feel like the Heisman and the number 44 are a little bit different. Like, do you think a kid from, I agree, let's yeah. say, Miami but you say really to cares them, about the number 44? I don't know. You, you, right. I agree with that. I, I think, but you have to, that's where you educate your recruits and say, all right, this is, this is the 44 we're going to give you. Yeah. What this 44 did, they won that trophy for us, the one that you are holding in your hands right now. Right. And that's how you sell them. Again, because you think a single one of these recruits has actually heard of Floyd Little? Probably not. It's getting to the point now where— But you know what? Brown might— I mean, Jim, Brown, Jim Brown's the name that'll resonate. Some ears up, but Ernie Davis, you probably know, but probably only because of The Express. Yeah, the great movie. movie by that the is, way, that Love is it. the only reason some of these recruits might even know that. Yeah. But Jim Brown's probably the only name that rings a bell, right? If even that at this point. But think about it: when Syracuse commits come for their official visits, who are three statues that they see? Oh yeah, I'm not saying they see the 44. I'm not saying so like, that it's watered down. Oh, the oh I'm not community. saying you're saying that. Right, I'm just no. saying you know Syracuse commits come here and they go, who are those three guys? Outside of what is it outside of Ensley, maybe? Right. I'm not sure where By it's outside of. It's some somewhere. But they say, Who are these three guys? Oh, well, this is Ernie Davis, Floyd Little, and, and, and Jim Brown. These are the three maybe best players to ever play at Syracuse. They all wore forty four, be like them, make get a statue. Like mm-hmm. obviously not every kid is gonna get a statue, but that's a recruiting pitch and something you can tell to recruits moving forward. It's it's just an interesting thing that Dino brought up. Yeah, and it's also got to be a guy who's a four year player because right. you can't give out the number forty four, and then junior. this kid does. Not, well, no, I'm saying you can't give it out to a recruit to a, a recruit and give them the number forty four and them not play off. I also years. don't think that they're going to give it out to a recruit because yeah. I think I they're going to have to earn. I think they're going to have to earn their stripes. Maybe get it your junior year. But what about I'd a five star? Is, what if a five star says, "I will come if you give me that number forty four"? I mean, that's a lot. I, I was going to bring up 
lacrosse number 22. Because You don't Jordan, get that until the end of the year. Well, Jordan Evans, I'm pretty career. sure, got it before he started. I'm pretty sure. Oh, because he I did. just think and that's did, a bad man. He was fine. He was, he was fine. He was all right. But people were upset that he wore that number. But they also don't retire lacrosse numbers, too. And lacrosse isn't so, nearly the magnitude of college football. But I think it's the same type of, I think no, it's the I, same I get, line of thinking. Yeah. It, you, can't, you can't just go around and give this number to a recruit if, you, if you're really steeped in the history of Syracuse football. And I think Dino Babers is. This is a guy who certainly respects right. the history. I mean, he, mm-hmm. he walks into the Dome. And he and, knows the history. Exactly. I think he walks into the Dome looks up at the number 44, and really admires it. Where a coach who, and that's unique for a guy who's from, who was born in Hawaii, grew up in Los Angeles, really hasn't spent a lot of time in the Northeast. For Dino Babers to do that, I think that's one of the reasons why he's so special. But my question to a Syracuse fan, we should put a poll on Twitter about this. Mm -hmm. How, like, does it mean so much? Is it too sacred for someone new to wear? Or is it worth it? I just think you couldn't, a Syracuse football fan would be disgusted if they saw a freshman sitting on the sidelines with number 44 on it. Oh, yeah, that can't happen. The, the kid has to happen. be almost guaranteed a starting role day one. And I, he I don't has think to that's be something like, Dino Babers would be right. open to doing, nor should he. You should not be promising anything to a recruit. Yeah, and I also, my, my last question about this is, why publicize it? And right. it's only because the question was asked. Right, but, he but wouldn't have just brought it up, well, but somebody asked him the question. I mean, there's no real reason to bring it up. In fact, I think it would be more special if I'm a recruit like, let me put on my athletic hat right now. If I'm if I'm a five-star recruit, I'm sitting in a living room, and Dino Baber says, no one else knows this, but if you come to Syracuse, number 44 is yours. Like, if, if he says, everyone else thinks that that number is retired forever, mm-hmm. but if you want it, you can have it. Right. I mean, that would be special. But now that it's, it's sort of on the table, right. I don't necessarily think it's quite as special. I would just be, yeah, and I would just be, like I said, very skeptical to give it to a freshman. I think that's a junior, senior year kind of thing at the very best. But it's an interesting debate to talk about. It's something that we'll let you guys get involved with on uh, some Fizz feedback later in the week, maybe for the next Fizz Radio, and we'll debate it a little bit more. But we've talked about the class as a whole. Let's start breaking down this class from top to bottom, and we will start on the defensive side of the football, which we will for most of this breakdown. We'll start with Michael Jones. Outside linebacker from IMG Academy, four-star recruit, 6'2", 208, and this kid can hit. He's one of the best players Syracuse has, and to be honest, this is a guy who has a chance to start day one. It's a similar situation that you saw with Andre Sisco, where, sure, he wasn't listed number one on the depth chart, but he can slide in right away, and it would not surprise me to see him be a number one on this team come next fall. So I really like what I've seen out of Michael Jones's tape. Him, along with Lee Koba, who we'll get to in a second, easily could fill in that defensive shell right there. And I know Syracuse has looked at uh, the potential of a nickel defense, and even with talking some with some guys today, it seemed like that could be a bit of a wave of the future for this team. Mm-hmm. But we heard something interesting on Brian Ward's welcome video to uh, Michael Jones. He said he's one of the guys who could fill in either one of the inside linebacker spots, which... Yeah. For right someone now, who's just listening, aren't, for two. someone who's just casually listening, that means nothing. But that would almost imply that a three-four defense may be on the way. Could be. It would be interesting just because they have so much depth and so much talent at defensive line right now. But that depth, that depth is kind of old. You think of Kendall Coleman, Alton Robinson. They're going to be gone after next year. Chris Slayton's graduating this year. Brandon Barry's going to be graduating in two seasons. So maybe. For the latter part 
of uh, Michael Jones's career, there might be a switch to a 3-4. And I think that maybe he, because you got him and because you got Koba, you have more room to switch to that better or that more linebacker-driven lineup. Because right now, you did not have four guys that could have started and competed on a snap-to-snap basis and a play-to-play basis this season with how your team's currently constructed at linebacker. But now that you have that depth and you have that talent coming in, maybe that's something they consider a little bit more. I think it's all about being multiple. I think mm-hmm. we we need to maybe forget about 4-3 versus 3-4 as being, I know one of them has to be your base, but where one of them is every single play. I think Syracuse right. might might be willing to, to switch it up on, on every snap. And why not bring Andre Sisco into the box, maybe if he puts on some extra weight. And Michael Jones, one of the great things about him, if you want to see how athletic this guy is, he's listed as a defensive end in some places, and he's 210 pounds. I mean, you don't see that very often. This right. guy can play at several different positions. That's not He's not the only guy uh, who that applies to in this class. So maybe, maybe Syracuse wants to switch it up a little bit. Maybe on first down you see a 4-3, and on second down you see a 3-4. That'd be pretty unique, but... Why not? I mean, Syracuse has not hesitated to push the envelope on offense. Yeah, it certainly would be tough to pull off in terms of changing up the scheme from a play-to-play basis. But, I mean, if you talk to some football players about the 3-4 versus the 4-3, a lot of them will echo the same thing, that at the end of the day, you're rushing four guys on almost every play. Yeah. It doesn't matter if you're in a 3-4. Rarely are you only rushing three, unless you're in a prevent. Right. So, at the end of the day, it probably doesn't mean that much. Just something interesting to pick on. But anyway... Michael Jones. So, again, we, we talked about Dino Babers and how he says that the second part of the cycle that came in for this class of 2019 was based on the 9-3 and three team. Michael Jones, a part of that 9-3, and three, and I asked him, what does that mean and how much did that impact your recruitment? I feel like your success did have an impact on my decision this year because I saw that it was doing good. And I, wasn't, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say it had a huge impact. But the fact that it was having a good season, it definitely impacted my decision because I wouldn't go to any like, let's so say Syracuse was like one, one and nine. This season would have been a little harder because I would have wanted to be going in a place who's headed in the right direction and not the wrong direction. However, I was watching them last year, and Coach Monroe has been a part of my recruiting process since my sophomore year. Every time I think of a top school in my head, Syracuse is always in that top school. And as far as loyalty with me, it means a lot. And for him to stay consistent throughout the whole process, because there has been like some coaches who haven't been like consistent throughout the whole process. I feel like that meant a lot of my process too. So yeah, obviously, when you have these types of successes, you gotta imagine it continues to bring in great recruits. And he's from the IMG Academy, and that's a place that perennially churns out powerhouses. You'll see five-star guys come out of there pretty frequently. So, I mean, even look on Syracuse's roster. You've got Andre Sisco, Juan Wallace, two guys that Michael Jones says he knows and he's played with before. So some familiarity is certainly there with that. And you got to imagine that plays an impact where he sees two of his former teammates on that team and then he's going to want to go play with them again. And then that cycle just continues. And if you're we saw build a pipeline at any high school, that's a Build it to IMG because we yeah. saw how good Cisco was this season. All right, so that was Michael Jones, the number one recruit in this class, according to 24-7 Sports for Syracuse. And really, it's 1A, 1B with the next guy on the list, Lee Koba, outside linebacker, 6'2", 210, from Parkland High School in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. So Syracuse reaching right into that RDU triangle area, a little bit with Duke, Carolina, NC State, Wake Forest, all those Southern or all those northern to central North Carolina uh, schools plucks them right out of there. 
takes Lee Koba, and much like Michael Jones, excellent linebacker. He's going to provide a lot of depth for Syracuse. It's going to be interesting and a lot of fun to watch the dynamic between Michael and Lee Koba because these two kind of committed jointly, it felt like, especially with some of the stuff you're reading. They kind of said, hey, let's do this together. We can build up this program together. And that's the Ohana, the La Familia that Dino Babers is really bringing to this team. The culture has been completely changed at Syracuse University. It's because of the man who just got his contract extended. And he's bringing in guys like Koba, Michael Jones. And it's special because these guys want to play together. And you can tell just by the product on the field, it's very different when these guys all want to be around each other, and Koba is certainly a fundamental piece of that. And, and you that, know, that goes down the list as well, because there are two guys from Quebec City who played at the same high school who are mm-hmm. doing something similar. And, I mean, two linebackers who are pretty good friends and play several years together at Syracuse, of course, that's going to bring back memories of Paris Bennett and Zaire Franklin, mm-hmm. two guys who were in the same recruiting class, and we would assume followed the same type of path, and then Jonathan Thomas was in that class as well. When you see multiple guys who are highly touted at the same position and are going to develop some continuity, where it's really important, a position like linebacker is so, so important to develop that continuity, kind of like offensive line. Mm -hmm. On the other side of the ball, you're seeing that at those two positions in this class, and that's really exciting. Funniest part about Lee Koba, guess where he was committed before he decommitted and then committed to Syracuse? Any, Any guesses? Wasn't it UCF? Nope. Who was it? It'd be their Camping World Bowl opponent, West Virginia. Oh, so that's right. Taking him away from the Mountaineers, he decommitted on October 9th and then re and then re-upped and went to Syracuse. And it looks like Lee Koba and Michael Jones are going to bolster this linebacking core for years to come. All right, we talked about two linebackers. Let's move a little bit further back in the defense to the defensive back position. Cornelius Nunn listed as a safety, but from what we've heard, he can play just about anywhere on the field from Miami Palmetto High School in Miami, Florida, six foot 170. And it seems like Justin Lustig, who is also the special teams coordinator for Syracuse, is pretty happy that they got him because he is a Swiss Army knife and can do a lot of things on the football field. Remember how important special teams was this season, and Dino Babers has brought it up. Sure, it looks impressive when you've got a guy like Sterling Hoffrichter who can pin the ball wherever he wants, and Andre Schmitz doing what he does in the kicking game as well. But a very underrated part of what Syracuse did on special teams this year was their kick coverage. Mm -hmm. They looked phenomenal stuffing guys inside the 15, inside the 20, to the point where we almost never saw players bring it out. And that wasn't necessarily because of the kicks Hoffrichter was putting into it, But at the same time, they weren't given opportunities, and they were probably told by their coaches, you are fair catching this ball. We're starting this at the 25. We cannot risk this loss of field position, this 10-yard loss. And that's something that Cornelius Nunn could bring potentially on special teams. But more importantly, again, you're plucking guys out of Florida. That's the state that has produced the most NFL talent. It's got the most talent in the country in terms of football. Dino Babers has established a clear-cut pipeline there, and for him to get him out of Miami from the grasp of the University of Miami is a big get. Look at some of the other offers this dude had. Bama, Georgia, Alabama. I already said Alabama. How about Auburn? I mean, all these, like, if you look up and down the list. Those are top ten teams perennially. Exactly. And they're, I mean, if you you ask who are the top threats to any of the five-star recruits in the country, Alabama would be one. Clemson might be up there, but George is there as well. Auburn is there too. These are powerhouses that Cornelius Nunn is turning down to come to Syracuse. And you've got to believe 
Maybe he watched what Andre Cisco did and said, all right, these guys are going to give me a chance as a freshman to play because there's minimal minimal chance that he would do that at an Alabama or right. at a Georgia. He's redshirting. And maybe, yeah, right. So maybe, maybe eventually, maybe eventually Syracuse is going to be a school where it's impossible to do that as a freshman. But That's right a now, good problem to have. Right, exactly. That's right, a great problem Right to now, have. what I'm saying is it sort of helps. They're kind of in that sweet spot where they just put together a great season, but they're not necessarily thought of as a loaded roster just yet. And Cornelius Dunn could say, all right, well, in my first season playing, I might see a lot of time on the field, and that's going to help Syracuse with guys like this. And we've seen that he can play multiple positions as well in the defensive secondary. You can see him playing at uh, cornerback. You can see him playing nickel. You can see him playing safety. He's played all three in high school. He can play all three. Assistant coaches are really, really high on Cornelius Nunn, who I guess is now going by Neil. Neil Nunn is uh, is going right. to be the new thing that he's going to go by. So we'll have to wait and see what he actually wants to be called once he gets to Syracuse. Cornelius Nunn, Neil Nunn, either way. He's also got great ball skills, very similar to Andre Sisco. Mm-hmm. Nick Monroe, one of the defensive backs coach for Syracuse, the swag daddy some might, people might know him as. He said he might have the best ball skills he's ever seen of a recruit coming out and coming to Syracuse. So Neil Nunn coming to SU is huge for Syracuse defensively. And let's go back to the linebacker spot, specifically to the outside linebacker spot. Jeff Canton out of Quebec City, Quebec, Canada, a guy you talked about, Drew. Another four-star guy, 6'4", 220. He is a big boy playing outside linebacker. Three stars, 887 about, or there so on uh, 24-7. He's the 35th best excuse me, 35th best outside linebacker in the class. Lots to like about him as well. Yeah, let's go back to the linebackers and back north of the border to Canada, which has sort of become another pipeline for Syracuse. We said it with IMG. Flipping it around and going instead of south, going north. Canada, not just in football, too. I mean, you think about in basketball, I think there's no coincidence here. Syracuse is maybe the closest school in the Power Five to Canada. It is, geographically. And so if these guys want to stay somewhat close to home. I know you got to whip out your passport if you're going north and south of the border, but still, this is a great place for, for high-profile athletes from Canada who want to play high-profile college sports, and Jeff Canton certainly fits the bill. I mean, this guy, he only had one offer, as far as we can tell. Only had one offer, but he's still the fourth-highest-rated guy in this class, and that's, that's not an indictment of Syracuse's class by any means. It's more so promoting Jeff Canton's skill. You, you do some research on this guy, you'd be hard-pressed to find a single position that he didn't play in high school. I mean, he played defensive line. He played linebacker. He played boundary corner, like you brought up earlier, J.D. He played safety. Everything you want from a guy to play, Jeff Canton certainly did that. And the thing that really stands out to me from watching his tape is he's six foot four, so he's a hulking presence on defense. And you watch him play in high school. I know these guys are smaller than ACC players, but he stands straight up on defense. When he's approaching the line of scrimmage and he's kind of stocking up, Dude looks like a Terminator. I mean, he's he's a monster. He's athletic. <laughs> I, I, I understand why he doesn't have more offers because he plays in Canada. It's a crying shame, though, because teams are missing out, and I'm glad Dino Babers found him. So something that you brought up to me when you were watching his tape was, look how wide the fields are yeah. in Canada. It's ridiculous. And to me, that is that shows me that you're a more skilled defender than you may actually appear to be mm-hmm. on your tape. Because when you've got that wider field, that's just more of an opportunity for a running back or a receiver to beat you around an edge. And for him to have the ability to move laterally on a wider field, I mean, it's a clear advantage for the offense. With more space to work with, of course, the offense is going to have more opportunity. And for that reason alone, 
is why he could be a super impressive Canadian football player and then come into Syracuse where he's got a much thinner field to work with. Right. And it's just like having 12. He's probably going to think he's got 12 or 13 men on defense with him. Right. And they literally they play with 12 guys on either side of the ball in Canada. So the, the game is a little bit different. But I think you hit the nail on the head, Tyler. I, we actually talked about this in our interview, which you can find on SoundCloud. I said, honestly, Jeff, listening to you talk about playing in Canada makes me believe that you're going to be better in America as opposed to the other. I mean, imagine an American football player trying to go up to Canada and saying, oh, my God, I have to cover 20 more yards laterally now. It's the opposite for, for Jeff Canton, and he's, he's shown off that speed. He's shown off the instincts and the angles, and he's a savvy guy. He's also a year older, maybe even two years older than a lot of these guys. He's already 20. And when I asked him, how does playing in Canada help you as you transition to the States, that was the first thing he said. I actually thought he said he was colder now because <laughs> he, like he's going to be used to the weather in Syracuse. He actually said he's older. He's now 20 years old. He's a little more savvy. And you look at this guy's body and build. When he's 23, 24 years old, he's going to be nasty. And Jeff Can, we, you brought it up, Tyler. We talked about how playing in Canada is going to help him when it comes to Syracuse. The field, you know, is a lot uh, wide and a lot larger than yours. You know, uh, the, field, the strong side is very, very wide. So it's difficult to uh, coverage uh, people, you know. It's uh, a little bit uh, harder. All right, that's Jeff Ken, three-star linebacker for Syracuse in the class of 2019. One of three guys who really should be a standout in this class. Imagine a 6'4", 220 corner trying to body up an ACC receiver. That's what you're getting at linebacker. So he's also going to be great in coverage, which is huge because you're going to play a lot of spread them out offenses in the ACC. All right, top four guys in the class, all defense. Let's get some offense in there. We're going to get Darius Tisdale out of Lackawanna Community College, a JUCO commit, offensive tackle, 6'5", 295, very athletic. And, again, coaches are high on him because he's got great upside, great feet, and he's got great athleticism at the tackle spot. Not to mention he brings experience as well, and that that's important because that's what's allowed a lot of these uh, JUCO transfers to, tran- to come in and seamlessly transition into the Syracuse and ACC style of play. Darius Tisdale, he's going to be tasked with replacing Cody Conway, potentially. And they're going to need a lot of help on the offensive line. You're going to see some things get shuffled around there. And you saw a lot of continuity over these last couple of years, and that's one reason why you may see Syracuse take a dip next year to a 7-5 and five or an 8-4 and four because of the lack of familiarity on that offensive line. But... Darius Tisdale, he's an experienced guy, and to have him come in and, and try to adapt early on in the process, get ready for spring ball, that's going to allow this offensive line to get even better and, and pick up right where they left off this year because they were phenomenal this year for Syracuse. Definitely, and the injuries were something that we've seen several times over the last few years that didn't really strike this year's team, and that's one reason why they were 9-3. and three. I love JUCO guys. I think they come in with a chip on their shoulder. I think Darius Tisdale is going to walk on to the Carrier Dome field and say every single one of these dudes, I mean, at any given time, the other 21 guys likely started at a Power 5 school and they didn't have to transfer anywhere. Mm -hmm. And Darius Tisdale is going to want to come in and prove that he belongs. And I think you watch his tape, you see how athletic he is. He certainly does. And we've seen junior college guys really perform, like you said earlier. And he's coming from Lackawanna College in Pennsylvania, a team that went 11-0 and this season, so he's also coming 
from a winning culture, a winning tradition. Darius Tisdale is going to be an absolutely welcome addition and a guy that I think, honestly, we're going to see him either in the one or two spot, probably the one spot of the starting left tackle position next season for Syracuse. He's got that much talent, that much experience, like you said, Tyler. Excited to see him. Let's go to another offensive tackle. This one is going to be a true freshman, Matthew Bergeron, a high school teammate. I don't even know. Is it high school up there in Canada? A teammate at whatever school they're coming from for uh, for Jeff Canton. Quebec City, Quebec, Canada. Offensive tackle, 6'5", 280. Another three-star guy, 80th best offensive tackle in the 24-7 rankings. The number two recruit in Canada behind only, well, Jeff Canton. So you're getting two of the best Canadian guys in the country and Jeff Canton and Matthew Bergeron. Yeah, Dino Baber's clearly thinking outside the box a little bit. Thinking outside the borders of America and going up to Canada to bring these two guys in who the number one thing that jumps out and this is the case with a lot of high school guys but the number one thing that jumps out when you're watching their film is the athleticism so Matthew Bergeron we already talked about Jeff Canton Matthew Bergeron isn't a whole lot bigger than Jeff Canton he's he's six foot five 280 Canton is six four 220 but here's the thing I love about Bergeron You might hear 280 pounds and think that's not quite big enough to play offensive line in the ACC, but he is a tackle. He's got the height. If he hits the weight room, which is what he said is his number one priority coming to Syracuse, that's what he wants to improve is add some strength. He is perfect for this Dino Baber system, I think. And get a load of this. He played basketball in high school. 280 pounds. Who's guarding a 280 pound guy? Yeah, that, I mean, good luck if you have to guard a 280 pound guy. isn't. Pascal Chukwu isn't. He might literally be twice as heavy as Marek Dolajai. 280 pounds. Not that far off, honestly. Like this guy, he's a load on the basketball floor. He might be a little bit small for an offensive lineman in a Power 5 school. But he's he's going to put on weight. Though. All exactly. he's got to do is put you on think of Darius, You think of Darius Tizio, he's only 15 pounds heavier. Exactly, and that's, that's what I want to hit on. These two guys are very athletic. They can move their feet. I think there's a reason why they're coming to Syracuse. Dino Babers knows his scheme better than anyone, and so when he's recruiting these offensive linemen, he doesn't want the guys who are going to be keeled over and puking on the sidelines by the third drive. These guys that would be a problem, certainly. These guys certainly are not the case. And talking with Bergeron, Earlier today on National Signing Day, he obviously was very excited. He and Jeff Canton are two guys who I think are kind of going to serve as as maybe part of the nucleus of this Syracuse team in the future because they're from Canada. It's almost like it's almost like something something new, something fresh to kind of keep the locker room from becoming stale. And both of them, before we talked to them, were a little bit nervous about their English, but they both did an amazing job. They both got really cool accents. And Matthew Bergeron actually told me a little bit about his visit to SU and when he was trying to find poutine. I don't know. I didn't find, but you no, know, Coach Coach Lynch told me that there was in Syracuse, so I can't wait to go there and, and get a taste of it. When Coach Lynch came down here, uh, first thing I did, I made him, I made him eat uh, some poutine, and he liked it, so... <laughs> All right, so Bergeron trying to give a little of his Quebec culture to the rest of his teammates and the rest of his coaches. And if you want I, good I think poutine, that's really cool. you know I, where you should go? You know where you should go if you want good Vegas? poutine in Syracuse. No. Varsity? No. I Come told, on. I told We've had it. Varsity. We've had it before. Dinosaur barbecue. That's right. Yeah. Dinosaur barbecue. I don't know if that's real poutine. I'm really not sure what poutine is supposed to be in Canada, but dinosaur barbecue has great poutine. I'm sure, I'm sure Matthew Bergeron, at some point in his four-year Syracuse career, will head to Dino. And by the way, Bergeron also said, because I asked him, is Tim Hortons really as good as everyone says it is? He says yes. He tried Dunkin' Donuts when he was visiting SU, didn't like it. Oh, Blasphemous. Wow. But there, and that sounds crazy to us, but he also said there were a few Tim Hortons, at least in the general vicinity of Syracuse. Yeah, I think you go not, like 40 minutes. Yeah, out. you're not getting that at Miami. So, like, we're, we're, <laughs> mostly, 
We're mostly joking right now, but it is really close to home for these it's guys. It's at home. Relative to the rest of the Power 5 schools. So for Bergeron, for Canton, and maybe Canadian guys in the future, Syracuse is a good home. Another guy that's not going so far away from home. Let's move back to the defensive side of the football. Amon Greenwood, safety out of Washington, D.C., St. John's. St. John's College High School, six foot one eighty, another three star guy, another really gadget player that can play multiple positions. You look at what Syracuse is trying to do defensively in this class, and it's building depth. The thing about Syracuse's class this year defensively, if one guy went down, now maybe the cornerbacks are the outliers, but if one guy went down, you were probably in a little bit of trouble. Mm. And you want to start building the depth right now at the defensive spots because you've got some studs who are going to be here for the next year, two, maybe even three or four years. So now you want to try to build upon that. And that's kind of what Amon Green will be right out of the gate, at least for the time being as a placeholder, until he's ready to maybe move into a starting role or a secondary role. And that's that's what you need to do right now. That's what your purpose in this class of 2019 is, is to get some of these guys They'll be ready by the time they, they're juniors or, or seniors or, or if they're very advanced sophomores. And this new redshirt rule certainly helps a guy like it's Perfect, Greenwood. right. And I, I took a look at his tape, and I, I, I was really impressed. He plays all three positions in the defensive backfield, cornerback, nickelback, safety. I liked him best at safety. I think he's got a really great skill set there. He's got great recognition skills. So he can not only back into coverage when he needs to, but he's also great at diagnosing runs. He's great at diagnosing screens and getting to the ball carrier as soon as possible. Great closing speed, great open field tackler. I really like Amon Greenwood. And D.C. has produced some good products for Syracuse over the years. They've got another one coming up through the pipeline in Ed Hendricks, who we unfortunately didn't get to see this season, but we will see next season after having offseason surgery. Or not even offseason, it was in the middle of the season surgery. So Amon Greenwood, like you said, is a great great guy to bolster this uh, this defense for Syracuse. And there's a Syracuse connection already there. His high school teammate Caleb Okachukwu was a surprise member of the 2018 class a year ago, a defensive end from St. John's College High School. So a lot to like about Greenwood. Yeah, Nikeem Johnson's from D.C. as well. He went mm-hmm. to the Friendship Academy in Washington, D.C. But when I hear Amon Greenwood, immediately I think Amon Green. I actually think you might have called him Amon Green by accident. Did I? The, Packer, Did I the Packers running back? The Packers running back. I apologize. Back. I mean, a bunch about, of NFC North guys in here except for me. How about that? Amon Green? Amon Greenwood? Maybe it's uh, writing on the wall. Maybe it switches to well, running he, back. He goes by the nickname Smurf. That's so, Which is so an so awesome nickname. Now, now, I think we have to debate. Better nickname, Trill or Smurf? Well, Trill is like just a shortening of like Trill's real name. Like right. His name's Atrillion. Right. I think Smurf is a little bit more creative. You just chopped a couple letters. Like Trill's an awesome name, don't get me wrong. Like He's an all-name team kind of guy for Syracuse. But Smurf, if he's going to go by it and play mm-hmm. as Smurf Greenwood, that's awesome. And I don't want to forget about... That's what about... they put on the... The little banner that they put out. Oh, really? They yeah, put Smurf. And yeah. I don't, I don't Great. sleep on Lakeem the Dream. No yeah. Lakeem the Dream. Lakeem the Dream is who good. has uh, possibilities and thoughts of winning the Heisman as a linebacker. So you got to respect it. You got to shoot for the stars and you land on the moon. And last year, Andre Cisco. Ocho Cisco. I was yeah. a big fan. Pretty of that good. As well. Pretty good. We'll get to another guy with a great uh, a great Twitter handle in a little bit in Jawar Jordan. But let's go back to the offensive side of the ball. Courtney Jackson, the only wide receiver in this class for Syracuse. 
He is a, a slot guy, 5'11", 160, out of Monroeville, Pennsylvania. And this dude put up video game numbers this season in high school. His uh, high school, Gateway High School in Pennsylvania, kind of runs a similar system to what Syracuse does in terms of quick passes, let's get you our best playmakers in open space. How about almost 100 catches for almost 2,000 yards in a high school season? You, t- I told you that, Tyler, earlier today, and you said, what high school throws enough so that you can have almost 100 catches yeah, in a season? I mean, Courtney I'm Jackson trying to think found back a way. to my high school. I can't remember them coming close to throwing 100 times. Oh, my high I mean, school either. My high school was out of the wing tee. So. 110. Third and 25, dive. Third and that 25, was- <laughs> run the trap. Exactly. I, I was my, – my mind was blown when I heard those numbers. I think we're in the same boat, J.D. What I love about this guy is – I know you talked with him earlier today – he says he models his game after Doug Baldwin, right? But That's an interesting one. One of those underrated guys. Sure. But, but he says he loves Doug Baldwin because he's not the fastest guy. He just loves his footwork. He thinks he's crafty. Dude, you watch Courtney Jackson on tape. He's the fastest dude on the field. And most, most of the guys playing Power 5 should be. But he is torching guys. He's super athletic. You're, you don't put up 2,000 yards unless you're really fast. So if he combines that craftsmanship with his – his routes, if he's if he's really almost like a like a magician with the way he moves his feet, and then you add on that speed and the raw leaping ability, you got a pretty special player. Three sport athlete, track, football, and basketball, and that ability, that speed, that's exactly what Courtney Jackson likes most about himself. I believe my my after the catch, like my my ability in open space is just different from everybody else's. I mean, I don't know, I, I can catch a ball five yards and take it eighty. That's just like something I can do well. So at the end of the day, I just want to be known as a playmaker. I mean, I want to be somebody to look to when you know, they need to be played offensively and, you know, that I don't crack under pressure and, you know, I just come through. That's what I want to be seen as. And Jackson told me that he more profiles as a slot receiver and a guy that's going to be a little bit more gadget-like, going to get a couple of shorter routes and then burst, like he said, for those 80-yard touchdowns. And that's good for Syracuse because you think about there is a lot of wide receiving depth. That's why you only have one wide out in this class. But a lot of that depth lies on the outside with guys like Taj Harris and guys like Ed Hendricks down the line. You're going to be losing guys like Sean Riley in the slot, so you're going to need a slot guy to replace them and provide depth to a guy like Nikeem Johnson. And you can never have enough of the skill position players as well. I, I mean, y- you want to build it up. And, again, Syracuse didn't necessarily have a need at receiver this year because they're so stocked up for the next couple of years. I mean, they have guys this year who are in last year's class that didn't see the field that could be very talented players for this team down the road. But right now, I mean, Jackson's the type of player that you want in your system, and maybe he ends up being like a Nikeem Johnson, a diamond-in-the-rough type player down the road. Speedy guy, really excited to see him in a Syracuse uniform in a couple of years. And now we're going to move back to the defensive side of the football with maybe the story of the day. Story of the day nationally, not even with Syracuse. Cooper Dawson, defensive end, Hanahan, uh, Hanahan High School in Charleston, South Carolina. 6'5", 250. He spurns Clemson, the hometown team, and decides to go with Syracuse. And the way he committed warm the hearts of people across the country. It was one of the the coolest things. You probably got some type of notification of it throughout the day. Like, this is this type of stuff that gets you on Ellen, right? (laughs) I mean, in case you haven't seen it, he had one of his good friends, Kingsley Feynman, announce his commitment for him at his signing ceremony today at his high school. And and Kingsley, he, he battles cerebral palsy, and he's a guy who befriended Cooper when they were early on in high school and 
it's just such a great story to see how the two of them came together. And one of the things he told me was that when he tore his ACL, he would always go over to Kingsley's house and hang out with him because it really helped him get into a positive mindset. Like, you've got a guy battling cerebral palsy. Why can't I battle a torn ACL? And that's something that, I mean, it really it's a really touching story across the board and certainly one of the stories of the day in college football signing. And he delivered not only an amazing video, but a bumper sticker level quote when he said, the only disability is a bad attitude. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's incredible. Uh, this is perspective to the maximum from a guy who is still in high school. I mean, think about that. I, I think a lot of people might be watching this video and saying, even, even if they're middle-aged and saying, well, I'm not that mature even just yet. Yeah. And this guy, Cooper, he's a very, very impressive guy. He's a pretty impressive football player, too. He said he turned out an offer from Clemson. And, and UCF. Those they, The three schools at his table today were Clemson, UCF, and Syracuse. You've right. got a team that's won a national championship, a team that claims to have won a national championship in the last couple of years, mm-hmm. and then Syracuse, who yeah. it, last year was 4-8. and eight. Which and, one and of these is not like the other? Exactly. Don't do that ever, no. <laughs> I think he, we need more of that, honestly. His, I mean, his perspective, like I said, is really impressive, and I think that applies to choosing a school, too, because like right. you just said, it'd be easy for him to see Bright Lights of Clemson, national championships, right. Dabo Sweeney, almost 100,000 fans per game and say, I'm going there. But he's able to sift through and make the best decision for him. So he's got the perspective as it applies to choosing a school, and he's clearly got a lot of perspective as it relates to just being a human being. And it seems like a really special character is coming to Syracuse football. Yeah, not to mention the fact that he grew up a diehard Clemson fan as well. But you got to think about it this way. National Signing Day, I mean, for these recruits, it's the day where you can be the most selfish you want to be. That day is about you. It's like a a second birthday on the calendar Mm -hmm. where the world just kind of revolves around you for a day. And he chose to give that spotlight to someone else. Yeah. I mean, Kingsley Feynman's a name that none of us would know unless Cooper Dawson didn't commit to Syracuse or wherever he was going. Yeah. He decided to make a day that was about him, about someone else. And, and to me, that just kind of speaks volumes to the character. And he said that whenever a coach would call him, he'd give the phone to Kingsley so Kingsley could talk to the coach as well. And, and to me, that just kind of shows the type of person he is. But as for the player he is, I mean, this is a guy who... He's uh, Like I said, he grew up a Clemson fan, and he told me, I wanted two things in a college. I wanted to go to Clemson, mm-hmm. and I wanted to play defensive line. And going to Clemson only guaranteed one of those things. He is a guy who is listed as an offensive lineman on 24-7. He wanted to play on the defensive side of the ball. He kind of likes, uh, ironically, he told me, he kind of likes the glory of it, yeah, in a sense. Funny. So. Very uh, I mean, ironic. I don't, I don't, I don't blame more, him. But anything's more glorious than playing offensive. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> we know that. But he, he says he just likes the defensive side of the ball a little bit more, too. And he ended up telling his primary recruiter at Clemson, the offensive coordinator, Tony Elliott, that he was going to go to Clemson. And Elliott basically said, I don't blame you. And what he's going to say after this may surprise you. You know, Clemson, they refer to it as D-line university because they've got one of the best D-lines in the nation. But I talked to Coach Elliott, and uh, I told him that I was going to commit to Syracuse. And Coach Elliott is a, the offensive coordinator from Clemson. But uh, I told him that I was planning on committing to Syracuse, and he totally understood it because he knew what position I wanted to play. And he told me that Syracuse had the best D-linemen or defensive ends that he had uh, played all year. So there's a, a tremendous amount of respect for the defensive line at Syracuse. And 
I think uh, I think I'll be able to fit in, and hopefully I'll be able to get some playing time early. And uh, I know the coaches are going to push me, and the teammates are going to push me just as hard. So how about that? A guy who coached one of the top offenses in all of college football says that Syracuse's defensive ends were the best he played all season. And I think that just kind of shows the direction this team is going. And you're looking at a defensive end group that featured Kendall Coleman and Elton Robinson, who were two of the best in the country, but maybe not two of the highly regardest, highest regarded in the country in terms of their recruitment. And Dawson's kind of in that same boat, three-star guy, but he can go in and maybe make an impact. Yeah, and I think you're right that it's surprising to hear a a Clemson offensive coordinator say Syracuse's defensive ends were the best they, they saw. But if you, based on the names alone, that's surprising. But if you actually dig down into the numbers, it's really not that surprising because Clemson really didn't see a team that was as strong. They didn't face a challenge as strong as the one Syracuse presented, aside from maybe Texas A&M during the non-conference slate. And so Syracuse, we talk a lot about how the Orange have kind of put themselves on the map. When you're hearing that about, by the way, about a position group where Syracuse floundered in previous years, I mean, they couldn't. They couldn't generate a pressure to save their lives. Not to mention the fact that Clemson's offensive line may be the best in the country, too. Totally, exactly. And, by the way, Clemson has a defensive line made up of maybe four first-rounders. So I know he's an offensive coordinator, but he knows good defensive line. And all five offensive linemen on that Clemson team, all ACC in some capacity. Yeah, so you're right. That's really, really impressive. And I think Cooper's going to see that and say, I want to be a part of that. And that's why he's coming to Syracuse. The only one that they might have seen better than Syracuse would have been that Boston College, the bookends that they have, and Wyatt Ray and Zach Allen. Those are two NFL guys. Right. And there's a lot, there was a lot of talent at defensive end in the ACC. You talked about it, Tyler. You wrote an article for, uh, for the Fizz about how Kendall Coleman got snubbed. Didn't even get mentioned on the honorable mention list of all ACC teams. But either way, you're adding depth in Cooper Dawson. He's a guy that I think is going to take a year or two to get there, but he's going to get there, and he's going to be a really good defensive end once he gets there for Syracuse. Now let's move a a position over from defensive end to the lone defensive tackle of this class. Joe Rondi out of Wayne Hills, New Jersey, out of Wayne, New Jersey, and Wayne Hills High School, 83 on the scale for 24-7, a three-star recruit, 6'4", 250. And we talked about how deep defensive end was for Syracuse. Defensive tackle also deep, but you're losing defensive tackles quicker than you're losing defensive ends. Chris Slayton headed to the NFL, at least according to Dino Babers. He's at least graduating when the year comes to the end. And you got Kenneth Ruff and guys like that in the middle. But D-tackle is kind of one of the needs for Syracuse, and they fill that with Rondi. Exactly. I mean, again, this was a class that filled a lot of needs. Defensive tackle happened to be one of them. Maybe you would have liked to get a, a little bit more talent in that position as well, but Ronnie's certainly a guy who could come in, and, and you're going to learn. And so that's something that's very underrated is getting thrown into the fire and kind of trial by air, especially if you're going to play in that spring game and go through those practices early on as a guy who maybe competes for a starting spot or at the very least is contending for a second-string string spot as just a freshman there's no better way to learn something than actually doing it and going out there and being thrown up against these Division One Power Five type players. JD, do you remember some of the numbers about Chris Slayton in the weight room? Some of the stuff he would throw, like he was squatting 700 pounds. Yeah, silly things like yeah. that. Where is Slayton? <laughs> He's unbelievably strong. And Joe Rondi needs to follow in his footsteps. He's only 6'4", 250 right now. He's got a bulk up. Listed as a D-tackle. But we've talked about it a lot. Syracuse, under Dino Babers, has proven that they can take these guys 
and basically turn them into incredible hulks. I mean, Sean Edinger, the strength coach, there's a reason why he's Dino Babers' right-hand man. When you see Dino Babers run out of the tunnel, the guy next to him, not the offensive coordinator, not the associate head coach, it's the strength coach. I mean, it is such a high priority. The man with the large chest. And the, and most the sweet come. beard, too. Mm-hmm. guy who looks like he could be a lumberjack. And I, I would not want to see that guy in an alley. By the way, I think he might be able to beat Chris Slayton. Now, if there's one person who could beat up Chris Slayton, it could be John Ender. Because <laughs> he made Chris Slayton the guy he is. I think it could be the same for John Rondi, or Joe Rondi, sorry. What he needs to do is bulk up right now. And I think under Edinger, he probably will. And I think he's going to be a redshirt guy. Uh, almost definitely. You've got the depth there at D-Tackle for now. And like we said, he's got to bulk up. So give him that year. Bulk up. Get him ready to go. Throw him into the rotation year two, year three, year four. He could be at least a contributor for Syracuse for years to come. Let's move back to the defensive end side of the football. Andrew Tuizama, Drew Tuizama out of Matthews, North Carolina. How about this guy? Six foot six, some would say six foot seven, 235 pounds. He is the epitome of the length that you want at defensive end, the length that you want at edge rusher. And he's a guy that was originally a tight end. Coming out of school, he was supposed to be a tight end. He had offers from Miami. He had offers from Florida State. He had offers from great schools to play tight end originally in the 2018 class. Instead, he decides to take a step back, reclassify, get himself right grades-wise. He takes a prep year and goes to Jera Prep in, uh, in North Carolina. And then he made the switch to defensive end because, frankly, he wanted to make more of an impact. Mainly, I just feel that defensive end, like, I can make a more greater impact in the game than tight end. Because being a tight end, like, you know, certain plays, they're not meant for you. But, like, I feel like at any given moment of the game, I can change the game as, as a defensive end. So, Tuazama trying to be at an impact position in defensive end. They say there's three positions in football that are high-impact positions. Quarterback defensive end, and left tackle. And if you want to be making an impact from game to game, from play to play, defensive end is the way to go. And Tuazama has those kind of tools that you need to be a good defensive end. Great speed, great length. It's certainly, I mean, you got all the intangibles right there. And you got to imagine with that length or with that height and and that size, that's going to translate to some really good skills hawking the quarterback as well. I mean, look at the length on some of the Syracuse defensive ends right now. Kendall Coleman and Alton Robinson may not be the biggest guys on the field, but they've got the intangibles with their with their body and physique that make up for any shortcomings they may have physically. So when you couple all that together, that, that's only going to help this team. And again, you're going up against the cream of the crop in terms of physique and athleticism on the ACC offensive lines. And Tuazama made headlines for that dunk right. he threw down where he shattered the backboard which you don't see very often. As a ninth grader. As a ninth grader. He was a ninth grader, 14, 15 years old, doing stuff that you'd think of uh, of Shaq. Right. Send doing crazy in, stuff. Uzama. Send it in. But imagine being a quarterback, watching that, and thinking, all right, if that dude did that at 14 or 15 years old, what is he going to do to me? <laughs> at, like, 2021. 20, yeah, that's got to be the scariest Trevor Lawrence, thing in the world. brace yourself. Exactly. Maybe sit out that game. <laughs> I mean, Evan Foster laid the boom on... <laughs> Trevor Lawrence. Imagine what Andrew Tuazama is going to do. That could get ugly. And when it went viral, the the shattering of the backboard, it went on Ball is Life, which everybody, I'm sure most people have heard of, of mixtapes, highlights, all that kind of stuff. And the caption said, this boy has man strength. That was, what, four years ago as a mm-hmm. freshman in high school? 
Now he's had a year of he's prep got ball. Dude strength he's going to get back into the weight room. He's going to get into the weight room at Syracuse. He's going to bulk up. And he's a guy that I think that can be one of the dark horses of this class because he has the intangibles, like you said, the length, the size that could really make him not maybe an elite level pass rusher, but a very toolsy pass rusher that could present problems for a lot of offensive linemen. And keep in mind, even if he redshirts, he's going to be learning from a couple of guys, Kendall Coleman and Alton Robinson, who just proved themselves. Like we said, I mean, Robinson's super athletic. Don't want to shortchange Coleman either. But Tuazama might be a different type of athlete just yeah. because of the length and maybe the speed. At one point, he was considered like a possible D1 level basketball player. Sure, right. So he's going to learn from two guys whose technique has really been refined and they've been polishing their games over the last few years. Plus, they're two really good leaders, Coleman and Robinson in the locker room. Tuazama's got two really good mentors. Tuazama, one of the biggest recruits Syracuse has. Let's go to the smaller side of things. Five foot ten and a half, hundred and seventy-one pounds. Cornerback out of Harrisburg, North Carolina, in the Charlotte area, Hickory Ridge High School. It's Garrett Williams. Williams is gonna, I think, be an important part of what this team wants to do moving forward. Because, sure, there's a lot of corners in front, but he hinted at a fact that maybe there's more of a nickel scheme being implemented down the road. I know Syracuse said out of the open this year. Talk that, about the ultimate tease from Syracuse football. Right, We're going to exactly. play the nickel. We're going to play the nickel. Never exactly. play the nickel. And, Diversion. Yeah, and, and they maybe started out in it for the first drive but didn't always finish the game in it. But he made it seem like, yeah, they're going to try me at outside corner, but they also want to groom me for the nickel mm-hmm. position as well. And he says Dino Babers likes his physical cornerbacks, and that's what he brings to the table. And look at how physical cornerbacks have thrived under Dino Babers. Trill Williams... And, I mean, Andre Sisco's not a cornerback, but sure. he's a defensive back, and that was one of his defining characteristics was his physicality. And then he fought to Melifanu, also a super physical guy, guy who wasn't too physical this year, was Scoop Bradshaw. Yeah. And he easily put together the worst season amongst we all, all those quarterbacks. We all saw that, for sure. And, or the least impressive, at least. Not saying he was had a, a brutal season, but yeah. he, he wasn't as impressive as a lot of the other players out there. And you bring in a sense of physicality, that's shaping identity of this team, and that's what Syracuse needs to do if they want to move to that next level. And think about the NFL level. I mean, sometimes nickel corners are sort of viewed as kind of gadget-type players, but how about Chris Harris from the Denver Broncos as a guy that this guy could emulate? I mean, Chris Harris pretty much plays every snap. He's he's proven himself to be one of the most valuable defensive players in the league over the last half decade or so. So. In, in a scheme for Syracuse where you're, you're, you're playing in the ACC and you, you go up against a lot of teams that really run fast, a lot of teams that use a lot of wide receivers, he could see the field basically every play. Even if he is just a nickel corner, he could be really important. Antoine Cordy played almost every right. snap. He was a little quiet this season because, honestly, it's almost better. Unless you're making interceptions, it's better that your name's not being called as a defensive back because if your name's being called, you're probably getting burnt. Mm-hmm. And we heard a lot of Scoop Bradshaw's name this season. We didn't hear a lot of Antoine Cordy's. He still had a productive season from nickel. And again, you you think Syracuse football in this day and age. You think offense. But what Williams told me was that he kind of sees, or the rest of the nation sees what the, the offense is right now, and, and now the onus is kind of on the defense. I think since they realize that the offense is already there, they want the defense to catch up with it. And defense, the defense uh, this past season for Syracuse was a lot better than a lot of people would know or even expect. And adding all of us, like me, Neil, AC, Smurf, uh, Lee, Michael, all those guys, adding that to the, to the mix is only going to just make us even better than what they were this year. So, yeah, you clearly see this in this class so far. 11 of the 16 that signed today were on the defensive side of the ball. 
And it seems like there's a, a real good friendship and bond growing amongst this class of 2019. Garrett Williams, another guy, by the way, had an offer from West Virginia. So another dub for Syracuse before they even play that game. And a lot of people are thinking now that Syracuse is is building up this kind of program and West Virginia is not playing all their best guys. Might be another dub coming up in Orlando later in the week. But let's go. You talked about how many defensive guys there are. Let's talk about one more guy on the offensive side and talk about a big guy. How about a behemoth? Anthony Red, 6'4", 290. This is a big kid. Another guy that went the prep route, went from uh, Bloomfield, Connecticut High School, and he went and transferred to St. Thomas More, took two years at the prep route, and all he wanted to do, he wanted to bulk up, and he had a pretty fun way of doing it. Um, a lot of eating, a lot of lifting. I lifted twice a day. Uh, I ate about five plates at dinner. I ate like three cups of ramen noodles after. How about four like peanut butter sandwiches? Sometimes when I didn't have enough bread, I would eat the peanut butter out of the cup. So it was a lot of lifting and a lot of eating. So he's gone all the way from 230 pounds in his first year of prep school to now 290. The eating regimen is wild for this kid. I mean, I, I can't even imagine. I mean, his eating regimen in a day is probably what I eat in mm-hmm. a, a, a week. A week, maybe like five days. It's that, it's crazy. Insane. Five plates at dinner, three peanut butter, four peanut butter sandwiches, or three cups of ramen noodles. I mean, he's done exactly what he wanted to do. He wants to. He wanted to get bigger. He still wants to get bigger. He said he's sitting around two ninety, two ninety five right now. His goal for the end of spring camp, he'll be an early enrollee, so he'll come in January. So by the end of spring camp, he wants to be at three hundred and ten pounds. And he loves the Syracuse uh, lifting and nutrition program that they have for, here for him. And if he can get bigger, and he can be that big at offensive guard, I think when we think of tackle, you think tall and athletic. Guard, you want to be bulky and stocky. And Red's not that big. He's only six four. You think tackle more six five, six six. Six four is pretty big for guard, honestly. So then, if you can get bulky as well, you might be able to swing positions and be a little bit more versatile on the offensive line and provide depth. Sounds like a pretty good life, eating all that food with no cons. I mean, most people need to eat less food to get in the physique they're He did for. say he needs to change up a little bit of the nutrition value sure. of the food he's eating, and he's excited because he thinks Syracuse can help him gain weight in a more efficient and healthy way while also packing on a ton yeah. of muscle, but he, he's definitely getting bigger. One less peanut butter sandwich, one more piece of broccoli. Or cauliflower or something. <laughs> something high in protein for Anthony Red. And another thing that we have uh, cannot, kind of not mentioned yet, Bloomfield, Connecticut, we talked about it before, that's actually the alma mater of Russell Thompson Bishop, but that's not the most famous Syracuse player to ever go through Bloomfield. You guys ever heard of a, a, a man named Dwight Freeney? Mm-hmm. Same high school. Twice. Same high school. And Anthony told me, you know, they don't play the same side of the football. Freeney, of course, a pass rusher. Anthony Red, a guy that's trying to stop pass rushers, stop defensive linemen, but he can still. He said he still learned a lot from watching because you know when you're in a when you're in a town like that, a smaller town in Connecticut, and you've got you you've got this guy that's just a huge megastar. You've seen highlights of him. Mm-hmm. The talk of the town is Dwight Freeney. Hey, this is Dwight Freeney's hometown. You've seen highlights of him, and the thing that Anthony said he has learned from Dwight Freeney and watching him. High motor. He wants to go, go, go. And that's why he loves Syracuse. He likes the up-tempo offense. He wants to run. He never wants to stop moving. And that's exactly what you're getting out of Anthony Red. He will bolster the interior of the offensive line. 
come down uh, as the years go on. They have pretty good uh, depth right now. They're eventually going to graduate some guys. Red could be a junior, senior year guy that could be really something special for Syracuse. Let's keep things on the offensive side of the ball. Luke Benson, tight end, Central Bucks West High School out of Doylestown, Pennsylvania, 6'4", 220. And you, you don't usually think of this when you think tight end, but the kid is a blazer. 10 8 7 100 meter dash whenever you're below 11 seconds in the 100 meter you don't have to be an expert to know that that's really fast for a tight end especially i mean if you're bringing in a wide receiver who's that fast you're excited but for a tight end to do it a guy who's six foot four 220 pounds who takes a lot of pride in blocking that was what was really impressive to me when we spoke with him earlier today is i asked him what do you take more pride in when you lay a pancake block or when you catch a touchdown receiving wise and he said pretty much about the same and for a guy who's that fast that that's really impressive if he gets moving downhill we hear the speed and we think a lot about oh he's going to burn the defense he's going to go right up the seam Gronk style and catch all these touchdowns but when he is ahead of steam he's going to lay some nasty blocks and especially with a high high pace offense where you're going to have a lot of guys moving downfield with a lot of screen passes as well Luke Benson's speed could really help him in the blocking department as well. Yeah, you got to remember, F equals MA, mass times acceleration. Yes. And that's where speed comes in. Maybe he's not the biggest guy on the offensive line at just 220 pounds, but he's got the speed to make up for it. And, and that's just how science works. A little and, bit of a fizz-icks from Tyler Rocky. <laughs> Absolutely brutal. Thankfully, Tyler liked it. I did like thankfully it. Thankfully, this is winding down. But the speed, <laughs> the speed and his on-field performance is one thing. I was really interested in Dino Baber's pitch to Luke Benson because this guy, he's from Doylestown, Pennsylvania, so somewhat local, told me it's about three and a half or four hours away from his hometown in Syracuse, or Syracuse is from his hometown, which is right outside of Philly. But he committed in late June, and so I wanted to know, how did Dino Babers get you to buy in? He always preaches belief without evidence. What do you tell to a recruit who might be looking for some of that evidence? Here's what Luke said. You know, he talks about his track record. He's gone to... um... Eastern Illinois and Bowling Green, they turn those programs around. He's been successful at those two programs. And, I, you know, you just see the culture shift in the uh, team at Syracuse, and it's just got, it was very exciting to see. And he teaches faith. It was very easy to be able to buy into that. So there you have it. Luke Benson says not hard at all to buy into the faith that Dino Babers was preaching. Turns out it paid off. Now in December, he looks like the smartest guy in the world because they went 9-3. and three. He's got a spot on the roster. He's going to be good moving forward. Ravion Pierce is going to be graduating pretty soon, so – Luke Benson will fill in with the likes of Gabe Horan and Aaron Hackett, bolster the tight end position. Last two guys here, we're going to start again on the defensive side of the ball. Both of them are defenders. Cornerback Adrian Cole, Fort Lauderdale, Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Excuse me. And speaking of Ravion Pierce, he's from Plantation High School, the same high school that Ravion Pierce and NFL linebacker Ryan Chazier went to. So he's coming from a bit of a pipeline. 5'10", 156. Another guy that needs to put on some weight to play against the bigger ACC receivers, but they really liked his man coverage. And my favorite thing about Adrian Cole is actually something that he did not do intentionally. It is Dino Baber's welcome tweet. To Adrian Cole. It the best was, one of the day. It was my favorite one of the day. It said it took 38 years, but the Dome was about to get AC, which is the nickname of Adrian Cole for his initials. And to me, I mean, it just shows that Dino Babers is the player's coach, doesn't it? I mean, even talking to some of these guys today and asking them about these tweets, they just said, it's a coach who understands the way we communicate these days. We are a social media generation now. Yeah. And to have a coach that goes out and goes the extra mile, there aren't other coaches in the country doing that right mm -hmm. now. And that's the Dino Babers difference. 
there are a couple times we've seen Dino Babers do viral things. This might not necessarily qualify as viral, but it's hilarious. I saw Andrea Adelson, a national college football writer, tweet about it. She's got a ton of followers. We already talked about Cooper Dawson doing that thing earlier today that really did go viral. Dino Babers' post-game speeches. I mean, think about, this stuff adds up. And then you add on the fact that they've got 9-3, and three, and it doesn't feel like a gimmick anymore. So these recruiting things, one thing on top of another, all of a sudden Dino Babers is a national superstar and Syracuse is a national powerhouse. And AC, Adrian Cole, a big part of that. Then the final recruit that signed today in the class of 2019, another Florida kid, another defensive player, Ishmael Goldborn out of Dwyer High School in Palm Beach, Garden, Palm Beach Gardens, Florida, a defensive end, a weak side defensive end to go along with Drew Tuizama, who's a strong side defensive end, 6'3", 195, another speed rusher that's going to need to pack on some weight. And you said Plantation's a bit of a factory. Can I read some alumni of William T. Dwyer High School? Would love to hear in some. Florida. All right, here we go. Jacoby Brissett sure. went there. Tommy Lee Lewis, a Saints mm-hmm. wide receiver, went there. Matt Elam went there. Alonzo G., a famous <laughs> basketball player, sort of. He's a good 2K player. He's a yeah. 3 and D He's guy. He's a great 2K player. Another guy, Julian Wiggum. Oh, how about went, that? He went to Syracuse and is Didn't still around the Cam area. Didn't Cam Jonas? I think Cam, so, yeah. I believe I Cam so. Jonas is a, is a Dwyer guy. Who is so, a safety from last year's class. Right. There's a connection Connections. right there. It's almost like Dino Babers has a can on a string, and it's connected to South Florida because he gets so many of these guys. And William T. Dwyer is no exception. Another one from the 305 as Dino Babers and Syracuse football has put it. And once again, it's a positional need. You're going to need defensive ends once Alton Robinson and Kendall Coleman graduate. Ishmael Goldborn is filling that need for Syracuse football. All right, we've taken you through all 16 signees. The 17th still waiting to sign Dorian Hewitt. Three-star safety out of North Shore High School in Houston, Texas, 5'11", 180. He's got great speed. He's a blazer, could be a factor in the return game come the years he is at Syracuse. But overall, we think a pretty promising class for Syracuse. Certainly, and maybe the one thing you're lacking here is a quarterback. You kind of like to get one every single class. But again, we're not done here. Syracuse still has until February 6th when that second signing day comes to continue to build onto this class. About five scholarships to play with, so... I'd imagine Dino Babers probably not quite done yet. Don't be surprised if a quarterback comes in later on. You know which quarterback's on the market right now? Stop. Don't say it. Just relax. It's not. I mean, I'm just saying he's out there. As a famous quarterback's once said, R E L A X. He's out there. JD, of course, talking about Justin Fields. That's right, the Georgia transfer, which will not happen. Uh, it's not likely. But boy, wouldn't he fit into the system? He'd be perfect. That's the thing. System, system fit. It's Justin Fields. Let's come back to reality here for a second, though. Do you think it's a problem that Syracuse does not have a commit yet from a quarterback? I'm not super worried about it. I think you've got two good quarterbacks, Tommy DeVito like and to Chance Amy. Every single right. Cycle. I understand that, but think about how many years you're going to get out of these guys. Tommy DeVito is going to give you, what, three more years after this year? But say something happens. Say, say someday someone rubs him the wrong way and he wants out. I I'm guess. not saying it's a thing, but I'm just saying. Then you've got you chance, remember. and you've got emergency backups. You've got, I know but this is, is. Do you want to run an entire regular season with an emergency backup potentially as your second stringer? Think about what Dino Baber said Tommy DeVito did for Eric Dungey this year. Eric Dungey competing with Tommy DeVito might have revitalized him in the middle of the yeah. season. After that UNC game where DeVito had to come in, you look past that, NC State, Dungey exploded, and then ever since he's been one of the best quarterbacks in the country. Competition is always healthy. I'm not pushing the panic. I'm just saying I'm not pushing the panic button. No, I mean, I wouldn't panic either, but I would rather. Yeah, again, the class isn't done. I would rather them sign one than not. 
Right. I think that's fair. To say. I could easily see them picking up somebody, you know, a transfer from some school that wants some school that, and then he wants to play at the Power Five level, and he's just gonna he knows he's gonna be there as the backup, but he maybe he gets reps because and, of and Tommy DeVito. And think about DeVito. it this way too: Chance Amy sees that okay, Tommy DeVito has only one less year of eligibility than me. So oh, it's I, even, I he could be, easily transfer. Do I want to be here and only really play one year? Exactly. Right. Yeah. And that's and so for the flip side of that is it's it might be tough for Dino Babers to walk into a kid's living room and say, "All right, we've got Tommy DeVito who's going to be a sophomore, should start for the next three seasons, barring anything catastrophic." Chance Amy right behind him as of now is going to take that torch. So for the next four years, they're set at the quarterback position, which is the exact reason I'm not super. But worried. that's so that's why it's got to be tough for Dino Babers to recruit these guys. That might be sunshine and right. That might be a little sunshine and rainbows. That that's just, this is exactly how things are going to go what down. What just happened with Fields? I know Chance mm-hmm. Amy isn't highly as highly touted as Fields, but he's similar sat for player. One year and and then he saw the writing on the wall right. and he said, "I'm ready to leave." He rightfully so. He's he's extremely talented. Yeah, maybe, and I mean that Amy falls in the same category. Right. Guys are stuck. A lesser situation, but the same. Yeah. So the class overall, number 13 in the ACC, we think a little bit better. And and frankly, it's 13th in the ACC, but it's 56th in the country, which is not too shabby. Yeah, that's right. In the it, middle it, it's of the middling. Pack. It's it, it's middling, but it's pretty good. I mean, we think it has upside. Yeah. Next year, you'll probably see this class break into maybe the top 40. And, and this is where you're going to see a real jump. Because again, Dino Babers, he gets a couple of big players right at the end as a part of that quote unquote nine and three cycle. Next year you're gonna you're gonna have a nine and three cycle and then in all likelihood, unless something goes completely wrong, you're gonna have another above five hundred cycle. An eight and four, maybe a nine and three again kind of cycle. Michael Jones and Lee Koba, the headliners of this defensive laden class, eleven of sixteen players that committed and signed today are on the defensive side of the football. The 17th, Dorian Hewitt, the safety from Houston, is also on the defensive side of the football. Lots to like about this Syracuse class. We think a little bit underrated, but who the heck knows? We'll have to wait and find out. All right, that'll do it for us here. National Signing Day, Fismas, the best day of the year. It was fun as always. Great to talk to all the recruits. Great to reach out to everybody in Fizz Nation. Hope you guys all enjoyed it. For Drew Carter and Tyler Rocky, I'm J.D. Rachi saying so long, and we'll talk to you in a little bit.